Welcome to our series on the book of Hebrews. In this study, lead pastor Tim Brooks and associate pastor Paul Kern will be sharing life-impacting truths. The Gospels reveal what Jesus did on earth. But now that Jesus has resurrected from the dead and entered into heaven, what does he do? What role does he play? And how does that affect our lives today? These questions and more will be explored in this informative and revealing 10-part series. Now, join lead pastor Tim Brooks. Well, being a good pastor that Paul and I are, we intend on taking the next 10 weeks and go over just what you just heard right there in eight minutes. Uh, We will draw all of that out and consume 10 weeks of your time, or you could just slip out right now and you know what we're going to do the next 10 weeks. I want to welcome you to our first lesson in our study of Hebrews, and uh, we're just very excited about this study and what it's going to mean for our church and for you personally. Uh, Hebrews is very practical spiritual help. It's referred to by Bible scholars as the fifth gospel. The four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, describe Jesus's ministry on earth, but Hebrews describes Jesus's ministry right now in heaven. I don't know if this thought has ever occurred to you, but we worship a risen Lord and Savior. We don't worship a dead Lord, and all the other world religions do. We're the only one that that profess an empty tomb for our leader. So, Jesus uh, resurrected, and we celebrate that each spring in Easter, and he's alive, he's alive. Well, what's he doing? I don't know if that thought has ever entered your mind. If he's alive, what's he doing right now? I mean, what does he do every single day? When the alarm clock goes off, what's he doing? Well, that's what Hebrews is going to teach us. You're going to get to know Jesus in a, um, in a very special way. You're going to know who he is. You're going to understand what he is now doing. You're going to have a clear picture of what he has done for you. And as you saw in this video, the author of Hebrews is really unknown. The writer never gives his name. Uh, a lot of scholars say that Paul wrote Um, Hebrews because he wrote so much of the New Testament. Uh, But every other letter that Paul wrote, he identifies himself repeatedly throughout the letter. Uh, And it's just, I'm going to tell you, it's just not known for sure. And so I'm not going to speculate on and talk about the different speculations on who exactly wrote it because the message is so powerful for us today. Uh, it's, Its main message that we're going to see is be confident as you live by faith. Now, this is revolutionary when you look at this because up until this time, you didn't live by faith. You lived by your ability to keep the law, which gave you no confidence at all because you're never quite sure if you were good enough. 
you never were quite sure if your sacrifice was good enough. You were never quite sure if you did everything just right according to the law and if you accomplished that good enough. So living confident and approaching the throne boldly, and th- those are concepts that until we read Hebrews, we just flat don't have. If I was going to put the message of Hebrews in one sentence, it would be this. We have an ever-living high priest in heaven that is mediating between man and God, and the just shall live by faith. Now, now that is one sentence that we're going to talk about in these next 10 weeks. Hebrew, Hebrews' message is huge. It's huge. And I'm not sure that we can fully understand how huge it is because all of us were raised under the new covenant and under a system of grace. That was not the case when Hebrews was written. The, the life that they lived was under the old covenant. And it was not based on a relationship with God, it was based on your keeping of all of the covenant laws. So that was the basis, and it basis was not according to grace through a relationship. So it, it, it's hard for us to understand the impact of Hebrews because we have grown up with it. But as we cover the message, I pray that in these next 10 weeks, a, a, a knowledge of Jesus and an understanding of who he is so is illuminated in you that you truly come to know the Lord Jesus. That you, in these coming weeks, come to know Jesus. I thought Terry was extremely good looking. I was drawn to her for several reasons. But it was not until I got to know her and learning about her that you come to a deeper relationship. And many people are drawn to God because they think, hey, it's good looking. I'm forgiven and I'm clean and I've got friends. And, I, and so we are drawn in to church because of superficial reasons. And many never move past that to a point where you know Jesus on a personal relationship with him. And I say that because I watch the up and down struggles that people have in their life because they're trying to live the Christian life instead of coming to a place in their life where they know Jesus. And when you know Jesus, your desires, well, I tried to stay sober. Well, I did good. I, I didn't do any drugs for a day and a half. I've done real good. I, I hadn't been drunk for two weeks now. Well, I messed up. When you come to know Jesus, it changes your desires that the flesh drives you. When you come to know Jesus, your life changes. And that is my prayer and the reason for this study is to give you an insight and to a, open a relationship up for you with Jesus. A few things 
to look at that's going to help us better understand Hebrews. We're going to see this over and over and over. A few key words. The word greater or the word better, depending upon your translation, is used 13 times as the author teaches us of the superiority of Jesus, the superiority of his salvation. So we're going to read the word greater and better over and over as the author is moving us from a relationship with God through don't do this and don't do that and don't do this and don't you do that and don't you do this and don't you do that. Let's move into a relationship with God and a relationship through Jesus is better. It's greater. It's better. It's greater. Thirteen times we're going to read that word. The word perfect, we're going to read 14 times. Our perfect standing with God. This perfection can never be reached by imperfect man. And it is only through Jesus that you reach the perfect standing that we have through Jesus to God. The Levitical priesthood and the blood of animals could not obtain that or accomplish that because of the imperfections in the system that relied on imperfect man. Hebrews contrast over and over and over the old covenant system of the law with the new covenant ministry of Jesus. We're going to see that contrast over and over. The old covenant was temporary. The new covenant is eternal. The next word that we're going to read over and over and over again is the word eternal or forever, depending upon your translation. Chapter 1, verse 8, chapter 5, verse 6, chapter 5, verse 9, chapter 6, verse 20, chapter 7, verse 17, chapter 7, verse 21, chapter 9, verse 12, chapter 9, verse 15, chapter 13, verse 8, forever, forever forever, the eternal, forever. See, and it's only through Jesus that it can be forever because it's not dependent on a temporary man. Now, if we combine these three words, better, eternal, and perfect, and those are three words that we're going to see in every lesson over and over again. If we combine those three words into one sentence, let me read this. Jesus gives us a life that is better because these blessings are eternal and they give us perfect standing before God. That's what we're going to talk about. The old covenant system under the Mosaic law was imperfect, not because it was bad. It was imperfect because it could not accomplish a once and for all redemption. It only covered sin. It, it swept sin under the table, but it did not do away with sin like the once and for all death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. An imperfect man couldn't accomplish that. The point of this letter we're going to see is after Jesus, it would be easy for the followers after Jesus ascended into heaven, it would, and, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John closed, it would be easy for the followers to slip back into an old religious system that they had known under the Old Covenant. 
And that's what Hebrews is saying. Don't go back into the, an old system under the old covenant. Now, the point for us would be, after Jesus changes your life, it's easy to slip back into the life that you've always known. You get up, the first thing you do is you get drunk. The first thing you do is to pop some pills. You wake up, the first thing you do is scream and yell and cuss at the family. The first thing you do is have a bad attitude. And so you just slip right back into an old lifestyle. Jesus comes into your heart, changes your life, you're all excited, but then the next morning you wake up and you're just right back into your old vocabulary, right back into your old lifestyle. And as easy as it is for them at this time to slip back on life under the old covenant, it's easy for us to slip back into the life that we have always known. And Hebrews is saying there's a better covenant for you. There is a better life for you if you will move into the better life that God has for you. Let's get going. Chapter 1, verse 1. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, He has spoken to us through His Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, He created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and He sustains everything by the mighty power of His command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Mankind has always had an inner drive to find out if there is a God, and if there is a God, how can we gain his approval? Now, that's been a pursuit of mankind as long as man has been here. That's why there are so many religions out there. Man struggling, trying to find God. And that, here's another religion, here's another religion, here's another religious leader. Let me try that. Well, let me try this. Let me see if I can find God, and let me see if I can somehow gain His approval. All other religions in the world have man trying to find and please God. God says, this isn't going to work. He sent his son to find man. And you'll not find that in any other religion that offers whatever they offer. You'll not find any other religion that has God coming to find man. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. You don't find God, he found you. God came to find you. Jesus is the revelation of God to man. And that's what Hebrews teaches us. So why do you still look to the prophets? Jesus is better. Why do you still look to angels? Jesus is better. Why do you still look to the old covenant law? Jesus is better. But still today, we've got people praying to Mary. We've got people lighting candles and robes and collars and all kinds of things they do, trying to please God and trying to make sure God is happy with them. Hebrews makes it clear, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way to God. Man can know about a person 
Man can know about the facts of a person. But until he knows that person personally, he doesn't really know him. And that's why God, verse 3, look at this, had to send an exact representation. The radiance of his glory, the very expression of his character, so we could know him. And until Jesus came, all man could do is know about God. But when you study Jesus, you can know God. Because Jesus is the exact representation. He is the radiance of God's glory sent to this earth. He had to come to earth to show himself. He had to reveal exactly who he was in a physical form, and that's what Jesus does. John 14, 9, Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father who sent me. Jesus said, I and the Father are one, because Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 tells us he's the exact representation. Very quickly, Hebrews 1, 2, verse 1, 2, and 3 reveal so much I... I, I, I really did. I thought about taking the first three verses of Hebrews and doing a 10-week study. Well, I went ahead and said, let's just look at all of Hebrews. But there is enough right here in these first three verses that I wanted to teach 10 weeks on these three verses because of the revelation that we gain from these three verses. Very quickly, follow me. Verse 1. Jesus is the ultimate spokesman for God. We've had prophets and we've, we've had leaders that helped us, but Jesus is the ultimate spokesman for God. Verse 2, Jesus is the heir of all things. There's eight things revealed here. Number one, Jesus is the spokesman for God. Number two, Jesus is the heir of it all. Number three, verse two, Jesus is the creator of the universe. Move on, verse three. Jesus is the very glory of God himself. Number five, Jesus is the expressed image of God. Number six, Jesus is the sustainer of the universe. Number seven, Jesus is the cleanser or the redeemer of us. And number eight in verse three, Jesus is the mediator sitting at the right hand of the Father. Now here's eight things that I would like to do a whole session on each one of these eight things that's revealed to us in just these three verses because you got to get this. You got to get this. Okay, let's quickly, I've got to go fast. Number one, Jesus is the spokesman for God. That's why Jesus is better than the prophets. God has spoken to mankind through Jesus. God's not far off. God, oh God, where are you? He came and dwelt right here among us. God's not far off. He's not unconcerned. Make sure you remember, Jesus was born. His earthly father was a carpenter. His earthly father died when Jesus was very young. Jesus was the oldest in the family, which left the carpenter shop and all the family bills to him. 
So Jesus worked. He worked in a carpenter shop. He supported financially a whole family. He had brothers that didn't like him. Any of you have brothers that don't like you? He had brothers that didn't like him. Brothers didn't even believe in him until after the resurrection. And they said, whoa, we can't deny this. Brothers didn't even believe in him. And so Jesus lived life here in the friction of a home, in the friction of a family, paying bills like all of us. Now, it's important. Oh, God, you, where are you? You don't even know what I'm going through. He knows exactly what you're going through. So don't ever get, read verse 1 here. Don't let the devil tell you that he does not know exactly what you're going through. He spoke to us. He spoke to us. God spoke to us through Jesus. Number two, Jesus is the heir of all things. Do you see that? Now don't read over that. When Matthew 28, 18 says, all authority has been given to me because he's the heir of all things. He has all authority. So when you say in the name of Jesus, buddy, all authority, you are accessing all authority. When you go in Jesus' name, then you are accessing all authority because he's an heir. Philippians 2, 9, a name above every name. And at that name, all other knee bows. The third thing that you've got to see, Jesus is the creator of the universe. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. See, in the beginning was Jesus. And so Jesus was in with God on the creation of the world. Jesus is the creator of the universe. Number four, Jesus possesses the glory of God himself. When you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. The fifth thing that we've got to see, and like I said, we could talk of an hour or more on each one of these. The next thing that is revealed to us is Jesus is the exact representation. He is the very character of God himself. Oh God, where are you? Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can see. God, what do you look like? Read, read Jesus. You know what God looks like. Well, how would God respond to this? Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You'll know how God would respond to that. How does God think about this? Read and look at Jesus. You'll know exactly how God. See, Jesus is the exact representation of God. Don't act like God is far off and you don't know what he thinks and you don't really know how, how he would react. We know exactly how God would react. Look at Jesus. Number six, verse three. Jesus holds the world, the universe. He sustains. Different translations have a different word there. Jesus sustains everything. That word sustains, he keeps it going. Look, don't ever think that God created all of this, kicked it and got it spinning, and now has walked away. Jesus is sustaining everything that goes on here. Now, let me just say, don't ever throw trash out your truck window. My goodness, don't litter. Pick up after yourself. Mow your yard. Clean up. Clean your house. Do the dishes. We've got to take care of where we live. Don't live in a pigsty. Take care of your things. Clean up and take care of the world. Now, let me say this. Environmentalists 
think that man is the sustainer of everything. And you're not. Look here, there is a God, and it's not you. But we're in a day and time when the environmentalists want us to think we are the sustainer of planet Earth. And you just ain't. I don't know what else to tell you. You're not in control. You're not the sustainer of the universe. Now, clearly through Scripture, we got to take care of this thing. We were here to tend the garden, and you need to take care of it. You need to take care of what we have been provided by God. But don't ever cross that line and think you are the sustainer of this planet because you're not. He is. He is the sustainer of all that goes on here. Seventh thing in verse 3, Jesus cleanses us or purifies us or redeems us. I looked in several different translations to make sure I understood that word. From sin. Jesus cleanses us from sin. Life in the Old Covenant didn't do that. We made atonement for our sin with an animal sacrifice, and we covered our sin temporarily, but Jesus cleanses you from sin. When you ever get a revelation of that, it changes your life. All of this counseling that we're going to for low self-esteem and insecurities and inadequacies and inferiorities and you're ugly or you're tall or you're big or you're short or you're skinny or you're whatever or you're stupid or you're... D- when you ever understand that Jesus cleansed you from your sin, it changed your whole life. It will change your whole life. And here's what I'm telling you. No man could do that. Only a perfect God can cleanse you from your sin. Now, you can go to counseling and you can feel better about yourself temporarily when you leave the counselor's office. By the time you get back home, you're back down in the dumps. So instead of once a week, get you twice a week appointments. Get you an appointment every morning for somebody to make you feel better. But whenever you come to a place where you know Jesus and you are cleansed by His blood from your sin, it changes everything in your life. The eighth thing that these, we see in these first three verses is Jesus sat down at the right hand of God. What is Jesus doing right there at the right hand of God? We're going to see that he is constantly mediating between you and God. See, I don't go to a priest to mediate between me and God any longer. When Jesus came, I go to Jesus and he mediates between me and God. Up until Jesus, you had to have a priest that talked to God for you. But when Jesus came once and for all and sat down at the right hand of God, and I I don't mind you calling a TV evangelist and telling them what you need them to pray for, whatever you want to do about that. Here's what I'm telling you. You can go straight to Jesus and he can tell God. You don't have to call some biggie on TV and send him $5 for him to pray for you. Jesus sitting right there by God. And you can say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I need your help today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to come down here and here's what I... You can go right to Jesus you're, well, but Tim, you don't know what I've done. Well, Tim, I'm so unworthy. But Tim, I don't know the Bible like you know the Bible. 
You're missing Hebrews. You're missing Hebrews. For everyone in here, regardless of who your mama is and your daddy is, and regardless of how good or bad your past is, Jesus cleanses you. He's seated at the right hand of Father, God, talking to God for you on your behalf. And you go straight to Jesus in your time of need, and you have immediate access to God, every single one of you. Now, do you need to know the Bible? Sure. It'd be great if you knew some Greek words and you could tell them what they meant in Scripture. That'd be wonderful. But that doesn't give you access to God. The blood of Jesus gives you access to God. Let me just tell you, you got to know Jesus for yourself. I had a lot of problems with a famous slogan in the 70s. This was on everybody's bumper sticker. It said, Try Jesus. There were Try Jesus t-shirts. There were Try Jesus bumper stickers. In what we refer to as the Jesus movement of the 70s, that bumper sticker was everywhere. And I can tell you, I never put one on my car. Because you don't try Jesus. He's not a pair of shoes that you put on and see how good it feels. Well, I tried church. Well, Tim, I tried Jesus for a while. And, it, you know, I tried it and it didn't work. You guys at Teen Challenge, you're not trying Jesus. Well, I went there and I tried it for a while. You can forget it now and just go AWOL and go to hell. Because that's where you're headed. You don't try Jesus. Here's what you do. You come to know him. You come to know Jesus. And when Jesus comes into your life and you surrender lordship from your old flesh telling you, go do this, it feels good, go do that, it feels good, go do this, this will make you feel You surrender lordship of your life, not to your flesh, but to Jesus. All of a sudden, your appetites change. What you think is fun is not fun anymore. What you thought felt good is not even really appealing anymore. And you come to know Jesus in a personal way. You don't try him out for a while. Oh, I'll try that and see if that, I need something to help me. Oh, I tell you, I'm a mess. Oh, let me see if Jesus can help me. Just forget it. It's not going to work. You don't try Jesus. You give your life to him. You crucify yourself. You die to yourself. And you come to know his lordship in a personal way. Hebrews is a powerful message revealing Jesus, who he is, what he has done, and what he is now doing. Great study ahead for us in the next 10 weeks. These first three verses of Hebrews, we see eight vital things about Jesus, and I want to make sure that you got them. He's the spokesman for God. He's the heir of all things. He's the creator of the universe. He's the glory of God himself. He's the expressed image of God. He's the sustainer of the universe. He's the redeemer of man, and he's our constant mediator. I pray that you come to know Jesus. Y'all stand. Lord, tonight as we open your word, we look forward to all that you will reveal to us about yourself. Tonight, Lord, we surrender ourself to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Our prayer is that you will experience Jesus in greater ways. If you would like to learn more about how to give to the ministry of CMC, please go to cmchurch.com giving. Thank you for listening today and God bless you.